Hello, fellow yogis. How long should your downward facing dog be? How long? That's the question. What if I told you hashtag it depends? There's actually less wrong ways of doing this pose than you would think. It all comes down to your body, your journey. However, there are some key things that can improve your experience, help build strength, and give you a good general idea of alignment. But at the end of the day, we'll be discussing hashtag it depends. Let's back up just a little bit. What is downward facing dog? What is the pose? Where did it come from? How did it get its name? Adho Mukha Shavasana. Say that with me. Adho Mukha Shavasana is the Sanskrit name for downward facing dog. Adas means down, so the root word A-D-H-A-S means down when we translate Sanskrit to English. Mukha, M-U-K-H-A, means face. And Svana, S-V-A-N-A, means dog. And of course, asana we know is posture or seat or a layman's term of pose. So Adha Mukha Shavasana. Downward facing dog is widely used among many styles of yoga, very popular, widely used in sun salutations. Now, sun salutations have been around for many years. We know yoga is 5,000 plus years old. We don't know exactly how long, but we have documentation back 5,000 years. This speaks volumes that still today we are practicing sun salutations with downward facing dog. That tells us something. It tells us this sequence is really important. These string of poses together are really powerful. They're rich in tradition, uh, history, you know, salute the sun. Lots of ancient yogi tradition attached to sun salutation. So you will see downward facing dog all the time. And at very first, when you first learn downward dog, it's challenging. And sometimes you're very tired holding downward dog. But as you practice, your body adapts, you change, you get stronger, you begin to actually crave this pose as a reset in the middle of your flow. I always look forward to my downward facing dog now. It truly is a gift. We all need a basic picture in our mind of the pose, like a shape, so we can accomplish the pose. So basic alignment is not not a bad thing. It gives us a place to start so we accomplish the pose. Downward facing dog looks like the tip of a triangle, the peak of a mountaintop. Date back all the way to the Egyptian ancient pyramids. You know, the pyramid in sacred geometry is, is just that. It's, it's sacred geometry. It is a sacred symbol tied to many ancient civilizations that were once on the earth. And we look at this from an engineering perspective, the pyramid is a very strong shape, just like arcs are used all through architecture. An arc in your spine, the curves of the spine or the arc of a bridge, very important. You ask any engineer what the strongest bridge is, you know, the strongest bridges are made to move with the earth. They can bend, move and sway with her shifting of the tectonic plates, the wind, the storms of the sea, the movement, the energy, they're able to move, bend and not break. Downward dog is much like that. It's a staple in your practice. It's like every kitchen has salt and pepper, right? 
lot of salt and pepper to cook. Downward dog is the salt and pepper of your practice. It's just a staple, something that has so many benefits. You don't want to take it out. You want to be able to do it. It's amazing, amazing pose. So picture yourself with hands at the front of your mat, feet at the back of your yoga mat, and you're floating your tailbone, your pelvic bowl, up towards the sky. That's the shape. So you're in the peak of the mountaintop or the pyramid. Very empowering to visualize the ancient Egyptian pyramids and think of your body in that position. An empowering visual. The benefits of downward facing dog are immense. Let's talk about a few just from a physical standpoint. We load the shoulders in downward facing dog. Our lives, unfortunately, in daily living does not include a lot of weight, force, or what we call load in the biomechanics. Load is like force. And the greatest load in yoga that we work with is gravity because gravity is always pushing down on us, pulling us towards the center of the earth. Well, the load increases when we bear weight on our arms. So the arms on the floor and the pelvis high, we have now weight and added load to the arms and shoulders including the fingers, the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder, the chest. This is important because we don't do it enough in daily living. We're on our feet all the time, sitting or standing or sit, you know, or lounging in our couch or laying in bed. We don't have a lot of load on our shoulders. So in order to create strength, we need poses like downward facing dog. I remember when I first started yoga, my shoulders went through another really amazing transformation of strength and how they looked. People would ask me, what are you doing these days? Like yoga. Yoga is amazing for your shoulders and back. A lot of it's due to this pose and we do a lot of downward facing dogs. Physically, we strengthen and stretch the shoulders. Okay, strengthening the wrists, the fingers, the arches of the hands. That's all happening in downward dog. Now think of the back body. We're getting... Strength and stretching through hamstring, calves, even the building of the arches of your feet are very important in this pose. If you cut the body right in half, you know, lower half, upper half, in downward facing dog, we're strengthening both. That's why I love it. It's such a holistic pose that just encompasses so many things. Other benefits that we know about is it calms the brain. It can relieve stress and mild depression. It can help with symptoms of menopause, relieve a little bit of menstrual discomfort, especially when you do down dogs supporting your head with a block, something to support the head to cool the mind. It can be very comforting for menstrual discomfort. Also improves digestion. I've seen therapeutic uses such as asthma, sciatica, sinuitis with downward dog. Think of flat feet. Even the benefit of having flat feet and not enough Awareness to the arches of your feet for support. This pose can be great for that. Let's talk alignment of the pose first. Basic alignment. Hands at the front of the mat, shoulder width or wider apart. Why wider? Why more narrow? What is the reasoning behind this? Where is the hashtag it depends? Well, every single one of us is different. Our anatomy is completely different. Unless we were to strip ourselves down to the raw skeleton and measure every little centimeter, millimeter of change in angle, would we maybe know the perfect way to centrate our shoulder joint in downward facing dog? Centrate our shoulder joint means put it in the most efficient neutral position in the joint. 
Well, we can't do that. So we have to rely a lot on proprioception and interoception. Proprioception means where we are in space with our body, awareness of where the body is in space. And interoception is the internal awareness of what is going on in your body. Well, okay. So where do I put my hands? Well, the simple answer is where it feels best for you everywhere in the pose where you gain the most empowerment stretch, whatever your goals and intention are. Everything goes back to intention of the pose. We can make downward dog all about the legs if we wanted to. We can make it all about the shoulders. We can make it all about the spine. So it depends on where your teacher is cueing you, what her intention is to help guide you for a new experience, and then also your own internal awareness and experience of what feels best in your body, like that inner knowing, the inner healer, the innate physician, that deep knowing that you can't explain, that's where you want to find yourself. Well, we all need basic alignment to get there. We have to have some kind of pattern, right? When you go to buy a suit, there's a very different feeling of buying a suit right off the rack and then having a suit personally tailored for you. Well, to have a suit personally tailored, we need the blueprint of a suit. Same in yoga. What is our blueprint for our hands and downward dog? I start shoulder width or wider, especially if you have some limited range in the shoulders or you just have really broad shoulders. I like the arms wider than shoulder width. I even have had students practice with the pinkies off their mat at some point to find their best stance. I like a slight external rotation. We'll get into that in a moment. There are some people that prefer an internal rotation and there are reasons based on anatomy for that working for other people better than an external rotation. There we are in the hands. What about the legs? The legs, hip width, maybe a little wider. I personally like my heels slightly out. I get a wider, more robust stretch through my calves. And my calves tend to tighten up as well as my hamstrings. So I really utilize in my own tailoring to this pose to open up the backs of my legs. Why would I do that? Well, any good massage therapist, manual therapist, physical therapist knows if we can open up the back of your legs, we can make impact and change to low back pain. So for me, that's been crucial in my own discovery of really allowing my legs to open to influence my lower back pain. And that's where you really want health. If you want to talk health, stability of the nervous system, low back is where it's at. We need to really invigorate the low back, strengthen it and have a relationship with it. And the legs are the gateways into our spine. It's really important we get aware of our legs. So that little heel outward rotation, spiraled inner thighs up, encourages my own body to feel into my legs, which I very much need. Tailbone floating towards the sky. So the pelvic bowl is light and buoyant as it pulls up. I pull my low ribs in so they don't flare out into a back bend and my navel towards my back body. Now, why would I not want my ribs to flare out in a back bend? What would be my reasoning behind this? Well, if I wanted to create a back bend, hashtag it depends, I would let the low ribs drop towards the floor and really arch into my back. But that's not my intention when I do a downward facing dog and I'll give you my reasons why. So Krishnamacharya, like one of the godfathers of yoga, categorized all yoga poses into six main categories. He organized them by the spine. Extensions are one of those categories, and guess where downward-facing dog falls? In extensions, which means we're honoring, worshiping the natural curves of the spine. In downward dog, if you pull the low ribs in, 
kind of peel the pelvic floor off the low ribs, allow the shoulders to move as they need to, fill some space in the chest, the upper back, allow your neck to be neutral and long. We have spinal extension going on here where we can gain some space and access between the vertebra, give the disc some chance to expand, be nourished, and by pulling the low ribs in and maintaining just a little lift of navel towards spine, you get a feeling of length. Just try it. Don't take my word for it. Go try it on your mat. I really like to keep my downward dog as true to an extension pose as I can. It works for me. Try it for yourself. See how it goes. What about the internal rotation I spoke to earlier in the arms? What's going on behind that reasoning? Imagine, or just do this with me, take your right arm and make a backstroke, like you're a swimmer and you're making this backstroke. Notice if you move a little slower as the arm comes up to 12 o'clock, fingertips towards the sky, at the very top there's a point where you have to internally rotate your arm to sweep it behind you. It does not stay in external rotation. It has to make a shift and a change to go all the way back behind you. This is why some students find downward facing dog with the hands slightly internally rotated as a huge freedom and they gain more movement and mobility and access to their shoulder during their yoga practice. Because there's a bony block, when the arm goes up, the top of the humerus, that's the arm bone, it may be running into the clavicle, acromion process, all of the bones that come together right there that make the top of your shoulder, the, there could be a bony block where your body's just going, hey, you got to rotate the humerus for my bone to get around the way you want it to go. This is worth playing with if you are struggling in downward facing dog. If you are one of those people that gets a little shoulder pinch and impingement or just something just not fluid for you, Play around with this for, I don't know, 10, 20 practices. See what happens. It's worth discovering because, again, we don't know the anatomy exactly to every centimeter, every little twist, turn, and angle. We rely on that proprioception and entrioception, you knowing your body better than anyone. And that's really the point of yoga, right? To know it yourself. So try all these things out. See what you think. The last thing I want to speak to in alignment in Downward Facing Dog are the wrist. If you're new to yoga and experiencing wrist pain, it's normal to experience some wrist pain in the beginning simply because you don't load your hands and wrists every day. They stay on a steering wheel of your car, a computer, and the dishwater, cooking, you know, they're always down. We don't have a lot of load on them unless you're like a waitress or something, then you may have really built up some strength in the hands or if you work with your hands like as a mechanic lifting or you know, carpentry, there's all kinds of ways to load. But for a lot of us, we're not used to loading the wrist in the position of downward facing dog very often. So when we go to do that, there's soreness because we're creating strength and change and adaptation in the musculature and all the tissues of the body, the connective tissues of the body. My advice would be work through it, give it some time. But secondly, there's a key factor you need to know as a yoga practitioner. A mature yoga practitioner will learn to spread their energy evenly throughout a pose, especially one like this. So instead of 100% of your weight 
landing in the wrist joint and downward dog and you're jamming into the joint all the time, you would learn to pull some of that weight and utilize other areas of the body to spread out the distribution of gravity as the load on your body. So taking some pounds of pressure from the wrist and moving it to the shoulders, moving it to your core, moving that pressure to the legs. So you're, you're fully embodied, not just kind of in one piece of your body. Now there would be nothing wrong if you wanted just to load the wrist up and play with that and move it all there. But in my experience with students and over a long period of time, so you can continue this practice for a lifetime, I like spreading the energy out. You just have to know what's going on. I think you can make the wisest decision for yourself when you understand at a deeper level what's going on in the pose. Now, the peak of the conversation here. How long should the down dog be? Hashtag it all depends. If you are in a flow class, doing a lot of sun salutations, the best way I have found to teach a proper spacing is come into high plank first. Stacking your shoulders, elbows, wrists, and heels over toes. Find your plank where your abdominal sheathing's kind of working. Your glutes aren't too high, not too low. It's somewhere kind of right in the middle. Sometimes if we lower the hips too much, we get a pinching in the low back. And if we raise them up too high, the glutes too high, we miss out on the benefits of plank pose. So find your sweet spot. Once you're there, push back into downward facing dog. So from high plank, go to downward dog. This is a really good baseline for finding your perfect length of a down dog in a class. And then move in and out from high plank to down dog a few rounds. Where's my thinking going with this? Why would I offer this? Well, most classes today that are very popular have some element of flow. So there are sun salutations. And I see a lot of students get really frustrated because they're having to move their hands or move their arms and back and forth and the whole thing is not working like the orchestra works. When you listen to a great song, the chorus, it just, it flows, right? It's just so beautiful and flows. And I think a lot of times the students were looking for that sense of harmony and fluidity. So this quick little tip really does help. Now that doesn't mean you can't widen it up. You know, you could widen up your down dog longer than your high plank. And maybe when you flow through chaturanga, you know, high plank, low plank, chaturanga, up dog, down dog, you might could walk your hands or feet or a little bit in. If that doesn't bother you, go for it. But if you're getting frustrated with that, try this tip in finding, finding this spacing. Depending on what style of class I'm in, dictates the length of down dog for me. If I'm in more of a you know hatha-based class or a yin class, something with less flow, sometimes I will widen up my down dog just to see and play with where I can access my legs a little more. Just make it different so I have new awareness, new spaces opening up in the body. I have some students that absolutely just love a long downward facing dog and that works for them. Others like it a little shorter. Um, the majority of people probably like the one I just described to you, the high plank to down dog, finding that spacing because they like the fluidity of a sun salutation flowing without too much mind boggling thinking. They like the repetition. They like to sing the song like a great chorus of their body. Try that out. See how it works for you. Now, what do you do if downward dog is just not accessible? Probably one of my go-to modifications is puppy pose. Basically, that's downward dog, but you drop to your knees and walk your hands out a little further so you still have the underarm stretch, the forehead is on the block or mat. 
hips are still high, you're maintaining the benefits, you're just reducing the load and the stress on the body. Great for days you're tired, you just need a break, it's just not flowing for you right. Try this out, I really think you will enjoy it. The best news is you can't go too wrong. I think we're so hung up on getting the perfect alignment and the perfect angle and we lose sight of honoring our natural intuition, our personal touch, our custom tailorized suit that we went to the tailor for. That's what I want your practice to be. I want it to feel like that for you. So use these basic alignment starter points. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need a blueprint. So start there and then start to customize, playing with what you like, seeing what is the best for you. And don't be scared to change it up or experiment new things. The body loves change. It loves to adapt. It strengthens through adaptation. But the best news is, hashtag it depends. And now you can quit worrying about making something be so right or so wrong. Honor your body. Trust yourself first. Know that your body is smarter than you are. The hardest part is listening and then following through. It's one thing to know and another thing to act. I love Downward Dog. Who doesn't love Downward Dog? It's an amazing, amazing pose. What's next? Well, simple. Do yoga. It's good for you. A spiritual practice is only good if you actually do it. A physical practice for exercise is only good if you actually do it. Flow with me online. If you're brand new, I love beginners. Check out my newcomer workshop. And right after you complete the newcomer workshop, which includes a down dog tutorial and many other tutorials and some mini classes, you can move right into the beginner series workshop as well that continues to build upon these foundational principles. If you like listening to me, you learn something like, hey, I'll go check out her. Study with me online. Many classes uploaded that cover a range of topics to keep you growing, learning, and falling in love with yoga more and more every day. Namaste, yogis.